remembering on both sides that civility is not a sign of weakness and sincerity is always subject to proof. Let us never negotiate out of fear, but let us never fear to negotiate. You are listening to Speaker Points, an NSD China podcast. Hello and welcome to Speaker Points, the podcast where we discuss speech and debate in 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 China. Today, I have a very special guest. His name is Leo Feng. He is an eleventh grader at the United World College Pearson College, and most importantly, he was the national champion at the two thousand twenty eighth annual NSDA China National Tournament. He competed in original oratory. He's also competed in other tournaments like U.S. Nationals. And today we were going to interview him to hopefully learn some of the secrets of his success. And if any of you are wanting to be future original oratory national champions, maybe you'll learn something from today's conversation. So, welcome, Leo. Hi guys.、Uh, hi, hi, Kale. I'm I'm Leo, and it's really an honor to be here、um, as a guest. And I hope we will have a very great conversation today. What was your first speech competition? How old were you, and what was the experience like? Oh,、um, my first speech competition.、Um, I can't really remember, but my first official NSDA tournament is what was in two thousand nineteen,、uh, June, I believe. It's a sea level tournament where、uh, NSDA have this a cooperative tournament with、uh, Shanghai High School International Division. I was、uh, a tenth grade, a ninth grade student, and participated in this tournament. I, I think its name is called a Shanghai High School、uh, International Speech Invitational, something like that. Invitational Cup. Yeah, that that's my first official NSDA tournament. I actually remember partnering with them on that. That's really nice to hear because you know you work on these partnerships with schools, trying to get them to sea levels and try to get them to adopt speech and debate. But you know we do so many of them that I sometimes forget. About them, and it's nice to hear that small tournaments led to such big things years later.、Um, it's really nice. So, what was the style of that competition? Was it an original oratory, or was it a different type of speech?、Uh, original oratory, and it's pretty much really like how other B level NSDA tournaments were like, just like five prelim prelim rounds, and then、um, the contestants who scores got ranked first. Can like get into the next rounds and then like yeah, it's pretty much like how NSDA tournament goes.、Mm. What was your speech about at your first tournament?、Uh, I remembered my speech was something about stereotypes. I can like really recall exactly what it's about. Yeah, I think that's something about stereotypes.、Mm. And how did how did you do? What、uh, did you break?、Mm. I actually got like、uh, I ranked third on the final stage, and yeah, it it was really a good encouragement for a rookie back then. Were you just hap? Were you disappointed that you didn't get first, or were you just happy to be on the stage? 
at that time I was just really excited and happy to like actually went into the final and because it was really my first official NSDA tournament, I wasn't sure if I'm going to like break or anything. I wasn't sure like what's the style of the competition. So I just get my script on and just went in and yeah, I, I, I got into the finals. It was really uh, exciting, good, a very good experience. When you went to the first NSDA competition and you were preparing for it, did it end up being what you expected uh, or were you surprised by anything? <laughs> I would say it went like pretty much how I expected. Like there's nothing out of the, the, the plan. I just like delivered what I wrote in the script and pr pretty well, I, I, I would say. And I met really great speakers from both inside of school and outside of school. And that's really like the first time where I uh, was realized that there are many great orators like in those schools and I, I, I have never like met them before. So. In total, before this last Nationals, how many NSDA original oratory competitions have you done? Like four in total, like before this year's National. I competed in four um, NSDA original oratory tournaments, including the uh, U.S. National. First was that uh, Invitational Cup, uh, and the second one is the Shanghai Regional which taken place in on SHSID as well. And the third one is the fourth TOC, which happened this January. And the fourth is the U.S. National. Let's talk about that U.S. Nationals a little bit, because it's a experience that's still very unique to NSDA China students. Um, we had more compete in it this year than we ever have before. And we are our biggest success in the middle school division, uh, one of our is ended up in the finals. They don't have like a proper finals in middle school. They just announced the top 10, but kind of made it into the finals. In the United States, original oratory is a known commodity. It's been around for over 20 years. There's a kind of style that everyone expects to see. It's very polished and these students work on their oratory all year long. And so we have a kind of competitive disadvantage sometimes with our students because some of them sign up for U.S. Nationals and haven't even thought about what their speech is going to be. Meanwhile, the U.S. kids have been already practicing their speech a lot. Given all those considerations and different things, I'm just curious, what's, what was your experience of U.S. Nationals and was there anything you learned from the experience that you think was really important for your later performance at the China Nationals? The U.S. National is definitely a really unforgettable experience to me. Uh, for me, I would say uh, my performance at the U.S. Nationals was not as prepared as I would expect it uh, because, you know, the time rush and I didn't really like fully edited and completed my a script, like not really polished. So, yeah, I would say there, there are definitely, for me, there's uh, much room for improvement. Yeah, I, I would say, like, by competing in this U.S. Nationals, I really, like, uh, seeing, like, how those U.S. orators have, like, a certain style and then how they prepare for uh, such a competition, how they prepare for uh, a speech, like, really learn a lot from, from this experience. Is, did, so does that mean you watched some of the U.S. OOers? 
Yes, I I have watched great contestants in the past several years, uh, like those who uh, enter the final rounds, and also like the TOC contestants, which mm. several months before the U.S. national. From from like watching their, the the these videos, I really like get a sense of how those orators like write their script, how they deliver their speech, and how they like prepare for the competition. Has there ever been a speech you watched that? Really stuck with you? Like, is there one speech that you would say maybe you learn the most from, or you just always kind of look at it and you're like, oh, I need to be that good. I like that's the one I want to achieve that level. Oh yes, absolutely. I would say the orator or the round that most impressed me is、uh, definitely Harris Hosseini, who won the national championship in 2019. His speech, like in 2019, simply put, I like I watch it over and over again. And I'm I'm actually I'm also pretty sure that the ten、uh, final contestants at this year's China National were also like big fans of his. I would say, yeah, absolutely. He's really a A very impressive award. I, I think he's very popular everywhere. I think he also gave his、uh, high school valedictorian speech is online somewhere that people talk about. And I don't know if this is true or not, but somebody told me that his dad wrote the novel The Kite Runner. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Well, so he's got a good pedigree、um, uh, for his family for sure. So. But enough about Harris Husseini. Let's talk about、uh, Leo Feng.、Um, what was your NSDA China National speech about? So for my topic at this year's nationals, I talked about how the the stat about the status quo of how men feel alienated from the feminist movement and kind of like urge more. Man, attention and engagement in the feminist movement. So that's basically what my speech is about. What inspired you to make this your speech topic?、Uh, why why choose male engagement in feminism as your、uh, national speech? Well,、uh, that's a very good question, Kale.、Um, for me, I think that's a combination of several factors. First, I would say it's like several months before the nationals. I I like read the、uh, the book called The Second Sex by a French writer、uh, Simone de Beauvoir. I I read it in our literature class, and like that's a book talking about like the nature of feminism. I would say like that book is considered as one of the really like fundamental books in the feminism field. And after reading this book, I really felt like I kind of awakened, realized how narrow my understanding for feminism was, and how it it was so narrow that it becomes. I would say I was just like many other males, like feeling like when feminism this word popped into our mind, we would relate it to many negative stereotypes and prejudices. You know, like these kind of words on the on the internet. You know, like、um, those words trying to silence feminism voices.、Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely、uh, one of the most important factors why I chose topic because after reading it, I feel like I have this responsibility as a man to、uh, speak for this movement and to. Raise awareness in more males around me. And the second factor, I would say, it was because when I like relate back to my own experience, I feel like me as a male in this society, I really. 
got deprived of my right to express my emotions. I feel like being as a man, you know, because the society assigns so many like gender norms and roles and traits that you must perform as, you know, in when you are categorized in certain gender groups. And I really feel like it limits my ability to express my emotions. So yeah, that's also why I really want to talk about this issue. So, I mean, this sounds like this is an issue that you would be passionate about regardless as if you were a NSDA orator or not. This is something you would be talking about to others, writing papers about, maybe devoting your studies to, being an activist for. And that's, I think, what where some orators go wrong in their preparation process is they start with the premise of what can I say that other people will like and, and that other people want to hear instead of asking themselves, what do I want to say? What do I care about? And what am I passionate about? And if you pick something that you're passionate about that you really want to speak about, I think it makes the whole writing process easier. It makes your creative process one that feels more fulfilling and you want to actually put more time into it, not something that feels like a chore that you're just doing for a competition. Did you ever doubt yourself when writing this topic, whenever preparing for this speech? Were there times when you weren't sure if this was the right direction? And if so, what kind of changed your mind? How did you go through that process? Is there anything you could share with uh, the audience that maybe that would help them if they're going through the same thing? Absolutely. And so I have never like once doubt the doubt my faith in the importance of the topic. But as in the beginning stage of writing my script, where like it was in the U.S. Nationals where we were having this workshop, I actually had this period of time where I kind of hesitate about whether to do this topic or not because I found that it's really challenging and difficult to put such a topic into a really developed and polished oratory style. So I was really kind of hesitant that period of time. But later on, I just d did more research on it and reach out for help and then just kind of overcome it. Is there a part of your speech that you're most proud of? Like a line or a piece of evidence or something that after working on it, you're like, oh yeah, I really nailed it on that. Yeah, so I would say that evidence of like in America, there are just as many women CEOs as there are men CEOs named John. I, I would say that's really a fun evidence. Like when I first saw that, I was like, well, this is the piece of evidence I'm going to use in my speech. Like it's, it's, it's sad, but it's funny at the same time because it really illustrates and reflects like how this disproportionate representation of different genders in our like business world nowadays, it really reflects the inequality in the status quo. So I think that that would be one of those evidences that I'm really proud of. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that one because that one definitely stuck out to me too. Whenever I was uh, listening to the speech, I was like, oh, you just know it whenever you hear just like such a perfect piece of evidence. Um, and for those, just for clarity, for those that maybe didn't hear, the evidence is that there are just as many women CEOs in the world as there are male CEOs that are named John, right? So that just kind of shows you the disparity. And I like the way you put it of it is a piece of evidence that is simultaneously sad and funny. 
right? And that's kind of like that secret sauce of a good original oratory. And something that I think a lot of students struggle with is having varying emotion in their original oratories. Uh, I can give an example for, I don't know if it'll be out if you do watch it, um, I would also pay attention to the girl who got third place. She, her speech was about body shaming, and I thought her speech was fantastic, was fabulous. And I, I, everyone agreed. I mean, that's why she got to finals. The weakness of that speech was just the lack of emotional disparity, right? The, the lack of change in the way she delivered it. I, and I want to be very clear, it was a great speech. I am not saying it's a bad one. But what kept it probably from reaching second or first place was that it was one tone. It was all you know, very down, very depressing is kind of the wrong word because, you know, it was, there were, it was just very serious, very um, focused. Mm -hmm. And it's a serious issue. It needs to be serious, but there needs to also be some change in the tone, at least a little bit in the speech, right? And there needs to be some sadness, some funny parts, some uplifting parts, some depressing parts. You know, you want to have your audience go on a journey with you. And if it's all one kind of emotional tone throughout the whole thing, it's just not going to look as well developed and speak to the audience like uh, maybe your speech did, which had some ups and downs throughout it, right? And that piece of evidence is a great example of that. It makes us feel sad and makes us laugh at the same time. And yeah, I think you're right to point that out as being... And I, I think you're right to be proud of that, finding that piece of evidence. I think a lot of kids, they look at research and finding evidence in the wrong way. They look at it as a chore. They look at it as something that um, is hard. Or it's also something that you can be really proud of and excited once you find that piece of evidence that you know is going to be really clever, that the audience is going to laugh or they're going to love. Uh, I thought, and I thought you did a great job with your evidence in your speech. And also that your words just actually remind me of a great analogy of how a, how a good oratory would be like. So I've once heard this analogy about what a good oratory would be like. It's said like a good oratory should be like taking your audience to ride a roller coaster. Like there should be up, there should be down, there should be good, bad, happy, and sad. There should be climax, there should be trophy, there should be, yeah, it's really like um, you have to have this emotional disparity in your speech to make your audience feel engaged and not like bored in your speech. I mean, I mean, it's 10 minutes and especially at this year's nationals, 10 contestants and that's like two hours straight. That, that's really a really a heavy task for both the contestants and the judges. So it's really important to point this point, point it out. Absolutely. I, I didn't do original oratory as a high school student, but I did do extemporary contemporaneous speaking. And uh, the only way I ever got any trophies in, this, in extemp is if I was at least a little bit funny. If I was able to come up with some good jokes in my speech or make the judge laugh, then I knew I would be ranked high. If I didn't get the judge to laugh, I knew I would be last place. And the reason why that was, you know, I mean, I could have just been a better extemper, right? Have better evidence and more well-informed and stuff like that. But my edge with humor is exactly what you talked about. Put yourself in 
the mind of the judge. They're watching seven speeches in a row, eight speeches in a row, 10 speeches in a row. If it's the last round of the day, they've been watching 50 speeches throughout the day. You can just add, if you can make them laugh, smile, giggle, relax a little bit, oh, they'll, they'll reward you with high ranks, right? They'll overlook a little bit of a pronunciation mistake or this or that because you're making them uh, their life a little bit less painful. What, you know, we talked about your strength as, you know, you had good evidence, you're having emotional disparity, as you put it, an emotional roller coaster with your speech of bringing them through different feelings. But is there any weaknesses in your OO? You know, some people might look at your speech, some kids might look at it and be, oh, I'll never be that good. It's perfect. But, uh, you know, I sometimes find that when I try to explain to the novices that one of the beautiful things about speech and debate is you're usually never really done. There's always something you could do a little bit better or polish a little bit more, even if you're at that top level. So is there anything that you still think you want to develop as an OO speaker, something you think you could polish a little bit stronger to make your speeches even better? Yeah, absolutely. I think like, because just as I mentioned before, like Harris Rossini is kind of one of our role models in, in this original oratory field. And when you look at his speech, his structure is really planned like really skittily. Like you can see there are good jokes and they're actually kind of callbacks to the to the jokes. And they're like structured very, very well in, in the paragraphs that you won't feel like strange or weird. It's just so went so natural. So I would say like, if there is something to, uh, I mean, there there is definitely much room to improve for, for my fight, um, is to kind of like structure it more like in a more detailed perspective. Like I could have put some jokes and top acts maybe. And because like when I look back at my script, there is still like too much like analyzing and like scholastic or academic writing kind of thing in, in the script. But I but when you look at like Harris speech, it's more like a really good conversation between the orator and the audiences. Like there's the funny part, there is the sad part, but it's just everything is goes, going so natural and there isn't like anything you would feel weird or strange in the, in the middle. So I think that's probably a field that I, I would definitely work on. Let's, uh, let's take a step away from analyzing your speech as much. And uh, I, want, I just want to know about uh, your experience being at National. What was it like? at nationals this year and were you surprised to make it to finals relieved to make it to finals were you expecting it uh any, yeah how, how did it feel you know a lot of kids out there are probably you know they dream of being first place holding that trophy and they want to know kind of what that feels like to be there yeah absolutely I, I think it's definitely magnificent, a, a magnificent experience to actually went on to the final stage and delivered this script, which I prepared for like three months. So it's really rewarding experience. And I would say this year's national really impressed me, really impressed me in the way that compared to the previous tournaments I have competed in China, uh, this year's national is on like, um, Unordinarily competitive. The the contestants, the quality, and the level of the com competitiveness is beyond my expectation. Like I have met great orators in in the whole country, and even some contestants from you know British and America. So it's really a very good experience, honestly. Yeah, the level of um, competition I think was by far 
the highest it's ever been at our nationals. It was really, you know, every year we get better. So it's not really that strange to say, oh, this year was better than last year. But I think we there was such a huge jump from last year that we haven't seen before in the level of polish and quality in original oratory performances. There's definitely been a new bar set and it's going to get tougher and tougher to be in uh, in the finals. When you were up there and waiting for your name to be heard, were you surprised when you know, second place was called and it wasn't your name? Or were you pretty confident? It's okay to sound a little bit uh, arrogant if you want, but uh, be honest with us. How? What was your feeling like whenever we were announcing the winners? Before announcing the breaking list, like who can break into the semifinals. I was kind of nervous because for the first two prelim rounds, I actually got stuck right in the middle of the speech. So I was expecting like, I'm gonna lose a lot of points because of this that I made. And so I was pretty nervous, like whether I'm going to break or not. But then it turns out like I very, very luckily um, ranked first in the like the breaking list. So I was really relieved at that time, like knowing I'm gonna break. And, uh, but, but on the other hand, like for the final, like the announcement for the, the top 10 in the final round, I wasn't that nervous because I think like I'm already in, in the final. It's like kind of like my dream come true. So I wasn't really care about the actual final rankings. So when it turns out I got the first place out, just like really happy and feeling like everything is not so true, like not so real. It's like surreal. Really excited to see like all the all the friends that we made. Uh, through the three days of the tournaments. Yeah, it's really uh, a fantastic experience. I hope that you'll be coming back for uh, next year. You've got two more years to try to defend your title, but it's gonna be tough. You're definitely gonna have people trying to take it from you. All right, so uh, before I end, I always like to give an opportunity for the guest to do any shout outs that they want. If there's anyone you wanna thank or any project you're working on that you want to give a shout out for or any club or school you want to, if there's anyone you wanna say hello to in your final moment, the floor is yours, Leo, to uh, say whatever you want. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, thank you, Kale. I would like to just uh, address some expectations or some words for the next generation of Chinese oldors doing an SDA. So I would say I have great confidence in your guys. Like I have seen like middle schoolers or even primary schoolers, like primary students doing great in like original oratory tournaments. And you know, like Dolny final showcase in middle school department, like in US nationals. I would say like for, for the next generations, they have absolutely the potential to compete in let's say US nationals high school division five years later, 10 years later, because they're the generation they have this access to great like online resources and like coaching resources. So I'd say I, I have great confidence in them that they will achieve great in uh, original work. And I think like a second thing I would like to address is that for anyone who is listening to this podcast who is interested in doing uh, original oratory in the future, uh, I would say 
um, if you really like this uh, format of competition, then really like pick topic that you're really interested and really feel passionate about because uh, that's the only way you will enjoy the, the, the whole experience. Because otherwise, if you pick something, uh, you only pick it because it was popular or it appeals to uh, the majority of the people. You will really feel tortured uh, during the like the preparations and the practices of, of, the, of the speech because at the end, it's not about the trophies. I, I, I know like it's kind of cliche, but really it's about the thing you put in, like the thing you address in your speech and the the people you met at the tournaments. That's what really makes this experience beautiful and unforgettable. I think, yeah, that's that's all I want to say. Well, it was very well said, Leo. Um, I want to thank you again for coming and sharing your time with us uh, while you're in quarantine in Canada. I also want to thank uh, Purple for doing the editing on this podcast. And I want to remind our audience that if you want to give us any feedback on the podcast, you can email us at nsbachina.gmail.com. Let us know in the comments section or give us a like on how you feel about 